your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Welcome everyone to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. You are joining us on the 22nd of February 2022. So a lot of the number 22 just everywhere, which also explains why the last song you just heard was 22 by Lucky Tapes. We also played right before that PH Harmony with the song titled Do It Like This. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight with myself, Leisha, the executive producer, as well as our APN team of Senia, Celeste, Aaron, JP, Ethan, and Tracy. A lot of names to go through, but we also have plenty of things to talk about with tonight's show, such as comeback news from the K-pop veteran group. You might have heard their name before as they go by Big Bang. We also have some recent controversies that beg for a little group discussion, such as a relationship drama that came from the currently airing Australian show Married at First Sight. But of course, it wouldn't be APN without including our jam-packed reviews, such as an album review of the latest Taeon album and of the recent Japanese film that has been getting all the Oscar buzz at the moment. So before we just jump right into all these topics, we got, of course, all the new music from Asian artists across the globe, starting with US artist MXM Tune with her brand new single, Mona Lisa. So come listen to a little bit of musical art with us here on Asian Pop Nation. You are tuning into Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha, and you just heard MXM Tunes, Mona Lisa, Eiru's Koko de Ikiwoshite, and lastly, you heard YG Entertainment's latest boy group, Treasure, with their song Jikjin. Now, why would I purposely mention this Korean entertainment company? Well, this very company made a recent announcement that could have all the Big Bang fans out there kind of freaking out, so let's check out some comeback news from Big Bang. So, for listeners who are potentially, I guess the term people would use is like second generation K-pop fans, this upcoming news may may get you just really excited and really hyped because Big Bang is confirmed to be having a comeback soon. So, YG Entertainment pretty much put like a statement on February 7th that they're going to be having a comeback with a new song set to be released around spring this year. Awesome time for us. Yeah, so it'll be after their whole four-year hiatus. It'll also be marked as like their first new music since March 2018. Really damn long time. Um, But yeah, the news also was paired with additional news that one of the members, Top, would not be renewing his contract and he would be leaving after being a part of the company for 16 years. They'd be leaving the company, not the group, is what they said. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, don't know how that's going to work out, but that's what they're going to try and do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's like the one interesting part. It's just like, yeah, he's like leaving the company, but they make the statement that he can always participate in like big bang activities but yeah i'm just curious is like any one of us out here like i don't know any of you guys have like a special place in your heart for big bang in any sort of way (laughs) i mean i'm not like a fan but i do enjoy their songs i like i love bang 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 and fantastic baby and 
I think another one I've forgotten what it's called. It was great. Um, but I'm excited to see them with their new releases. Mm-hmm. A yeah. long way away, autumn. Wow. Um, way to announce it so early in the year and I have to wait that long. But yeah. And so I'm expecting some top top quality like music video stuff because in that time that they're filming, that it'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I really hope it's not just them in trench coats walking through the wilderness. I really hope it's something <laughs> and a crazy. ballad. A ballad. That's like my worst nightmare. If it's a ballad, which like I get it for the fans, you want it to be like emotional. We're we're back after like four years, but it's like boo, casual. Yeah, fans. I want party stuff. Like, <laughs> let's go, like bang, 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 two point zero. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I think the odds of it being a ballad are really strong, though. I feel like they're going to do a sort of B two B sort of thing. They have like it's like we're old and sentimental now, and they're going to come ah. up with a ballad. don't do do that to us please (laughs) please no um it's just interesting to me because like when this news came out it like completely like i just completely forgot that they were actually supposed to have like a comeback back in like 2020 like like they were supposed to be in coachella which is oh yeah yeah they were supposed to be in like the lineup for coachella and then i think that was supposed to be there big comeback moment but obviously we all know what happened in 2020 so yeah so it is interesting now that yeah now in 2022 they're like okay y'all we're we're actually doing the comeback thing when i was in high school and i didn't follow k-pop at all one of the only groups i knew was big bang because they came to tour in melbourne and everyone was hyped to go to their concert so they're like big they kind of I feel like they were a big part in YG becoming one of the big three companies so as well. So they're just like like a big legacy act. There's not a lot of them in K-pop, but Big Bang are one of them. Mm-hmm. Good luck to Big Bang. We'll see you in autumn. We'll just wait and see like what song comes out. Please, not a ballad. But <laughs> we'll just see what comes on our way during the autumn season. But yeah, I guess listeners, if... You are more of a VIP or Big Bang fan than we are, and you are either like really super excited, or maybe, maybe you, I don't know, maybe you got some like other mixed emotions about this comeback news. Feel free to let us know on Asian Foundation to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hey, you're listening to Asian Farm Nation here on Sin. You just heard the Go Group Vivix with their debut track, Bop Bop. We also had Haruno featuring Yama with the song Devil. And lastly, a good old favorite female artist of mine, Ravina, with her song Secret featuring Vince Staples, coming straight from her new Asha Awakening album. I guess along the train of new releases, not just in music, but particularly in television world, there has been some recent conversations from fans of the currently airing season of the Australian TV show Married at First Sight, regarding one of the couples in the show facing some relationship issues, assumingly due to the bride's Asian heritage. Interested to see what all of this TV drama is about? Well, we can have a listen about it right now. All right, so you know how a few weeks ago we are talking about trash? <laughs> yes, uh, well, we're back again with Married at First Sight. Ooh, and uh, why are we talking about it is... Uh, Aaron, get used to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about it is because um, there is an Asian woman on the show as one of the people who is paired with another person, um, yada, yada, yada. 
the guy she's paired up with, Cody, um, says that he's not interested in her because of um, her ethnicity. It's not something he's attracted to. What do we even say about that? This article that I'm reading, it says that this happened during a photo ranking um, oh. challenge or what I don't know what they call it, a photo ranking. What do I mean by photo ranking? Isn't like beauty ranking. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like oh. they probably got images of the contestants and were like, let rank them on how based on how attractive they are. Which is just peak trash TV. I, I, I mean what else I feel we like that's asking for controversy. That's just making things difficult and awkward for everyone involved for no reason. Well for for a reason to make TV that is trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just, nothing good was ever going to come out of this show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, facts, yeah. And I just feel already put like this lighter, no, it's just like a minor disclaimer thing of like, when we're talking about like, again, Cody, who's like the groom, I put in quotations, um, making this comment to Selena about like, yeah, I'm like, mm, I, there's like a lack of interest because, yeah, it, because you're half Cambodian, half Chinese, and stuff like that. We must remember that we are just basing this purely on what um reality tv wants to show us because editing exists and blah 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 all that stuff so we're not actually coming for these people's self i don't know i don't we're not gonna we're not labeling as racist or whatever because it's just like again like what so let's says we mainly just see these in ads in like mm. clips in the show and and then yeah it's just interesting because it did like it did prompt a very i guess a, quite like a big conversation about like I guess, yeah, what, like, I guess some of the questions and stuff that do have to come out um, if you're, like, a person of color in a relationship with another partner that is, I guess, yeah, when you're facing, like, a situation like this, mm-hmm. which I don't know, have any of you guys ever been in this type of situation? <laughs> fair enough, that's his opinion, like, what he prefers and stuff, like, fair enough to that. But, um, yeah, I also think that it's good that they've shown this because mm-hmm. we don't ever get that representation of, like, this is a common thing that happens for people of colour who are just, like, ignored as, like, I don't know, an attractive thing, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's good that it's presented. A crap thing for Selena, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just read out the actual quote because, I don't know, it's pretty interesting. Like, mm. so Selena goes, like, is the lack of interest, attraction and affection due to my nationality and look? And then Cody goes, I think it did honestly play at it initially. I'm not racist by any means, but it's something I'm not familiar with. So it probably, yeah, so he basically, it probably is, my personal preference is probably based on her race. I was reading this and I was not shocked by this at all. I think this is probably how most people think in Australia or in predominant, especially in predominantly white communities. White. They just mm-hmm. don't want to speak it out loud. You know, it's it's not shocking to me at all that I, I guess if you don't grow up around Asians or you don't see them in media, or you're not as attracted to them because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're this weird curiosity that yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, I'm still it's still a bit of a barrier. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like good you bring that up too because when I was like reading up about this, apparently because they did like a you know because they're contestants in a show, they always do like background stories and stuff about the people. So Cody has already he's mentioned that he lives in like a part of Sydney that is like a predominantly white neighborhood of like Sydney. And and then, yeah, like I think further in the episode or maybe in a f- later episode, they have like a whole confrontation talk true about this whole thing again. And then he did want to preface of like, yeah, is it, it he, he was trying to do like the whole thing of just like, yeah, I'm not being racist, guys. I'm just saying like my, my upbringing and stuff like that, which is like upbringing, I guess, yeah, does kind of play, part. especially like what Tracy says a lot in like media. Only in recent years have we been starting to see like, especially Asian characters being 
seen in like a positive romantic as a positive romantic interest like Henry Golding Crazy Rich Asians and stuff like that but it is still like a really really long way to go and unfortunately yeah. we are still living in an era where maybe kind of do everyone's a bit racist and oh. <laughs> maybe less publicly racist but everyone's still a bit racist and like honestly i'm not surprised um the only thing is that i guess people feel uncomfortable when they hear something like this because i guess saying like oh the fact that her race that she's uh, no something saying something like i'm not attracted to asians can be sort of symptomatic of like a deep horrible racist racism within a person yeah i'm yep. not you, know, you, you can't rule out the possibility mm-hmm. of that being a thing and so i think that's why people are like, wanting to cancel him because that obviously is a you know possibility oh yeah something like that. yeah on yeah. the other hand it's like it probably isn't i i, I, I would just take him as face value i think he's just a slightly clueless slightly sheltered yeah. white dude yeah. who is slightly afraid of Asians. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, it is what it is. But, yeah, no, what you said also makes sense because, like, actually Selena mentioned that too. Like, when I was looking through, like, I guess reactions, like, after the whole thing, she mentioned it too that, like, the main reason, one of the main reasons why it, like, really emotionally got to her and stuff because she's talked to, apparently she's, like, talked to him prior. I don't know, again, true or not, but apparently she's mentioned it to him prior that she has been bullied a lot. In schools and stuff purely because she's asian which again it, it sucks it's unfortunate it's really like terrible thing but it it was just interesting to mention that because it was like yeah selena herself mentioned that that yeah that like she's ex- personally experienced stuff like that so hearing him say like that it did for her it like brought back um those type of like memories and stuff but yeah yeah, 100%. It would be great if we could one day get to a point where this sort of thing just didn't have to happen. <laughs> but uh, we live in a society. We live in a society. Famously said by Joker. Yeah. But all right. Well, if you've seen Married at First Sight, let us know on Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, and Instagram. We're just interested in that juicy bit, nothing else. Yeah. yeah don't, don't actually tell us about like all the, what, eight other couples that are in the show. I'm sorry. We're not the show for that. <laughs> Hello to our dear listeners tonight here on Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha and you just heard Jerry Park featuring Yose with the song called Hi. We also had Australian duo Kat and Camille with their new song called Cry, which you can also find online on Sin's Sweet 16 High Rotation playlist. Lastly, we had Asagaya Romantics with their song called Kairi Michi. So tonight's episode is particularly special as this is going to be our first time for this new season of APN to do album reviews, which is pretty cool in my opinion, but it just gives us a little chance to gush over all these newly released albums for an extended period of time. So the first album we decided to dissect a little bit is the brand new album titled INVU from Korean artist and legend herself Taeyeon. So Come join us as we give our not-expert insight into Taeyeon's new album. We are technically an Asian pop radio show, but we don't actually talk about Asian pop that much on the show, as in the actual music. So this week, we're going to be reviewing Taeyeon's INVU album. For those of you who aren't in the know, Taeyeon is a very, very well-known singer in South Korea. She was a member and one of the main vocals of Girls' Generation, which are probably top girl group of all time definitely in the running there let's start off with Ethan <laughs> what are your thoughts on this album okay so my opinions on it yes uh, I I listened to it a few times before recording this I think as a whole the songs are good 
I think mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of Taeyeon's style, and it tries out a few new concepts and sounds that she hasn't used in her old albums. Um, I don't know how I f- how you guys feel about this, but I feel like the album doesn't really have a really strong emotional arc to it. Like there are some songs that are in weird places, and it doesn't pace as well as her other albums. All the songs are obviously really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that they could have done a bit more with the placement of the songs. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What do you think? I think they could have done more with the placement of the songs, but I just think I feel like the album is less than the sum of its parts in terms of the songs themselves. The songs they can recognize them as being very well produced, um, but they kind of seem quite nondescript and kind of generic. I found this album very, very mid. I went back. I was like, do I just not like this album, or do I not like the music that they give Taeyeon? And I went back to her old albums, and I I think Taeyeon's music is just not for me. It I generally like SM music because it's weirder. It takes on some influences that you don't get in K-pop, but a lot of her stuff is very, I guess, GP friendly, and that's what she's meant to be at SM. She's sort of meant to be their big GP moneymaker. She was like the fifth most listened to idol on Melon last year. So she's mm-hmm. like huge. And her music is meant for that broad audience of like mums picking up their kids from soccer practice. <laughs> and so when I was listening to this album, I was just imagining it playing in a supermarket and being like, <laughs> yeah, that tracks. That's, that's my general thoughts on the album. <laughs> it's not bad, but... I wouldn't add any of it to a playlist. It's just, yeah, it's just like not your style and like what not you expect when you're thinking of like an SM artist album. It's It's not what I want from K-pop. I think I don't like it because it's too similar to like Western pop for me personally. Mm. What do you think about that comment, (laughs) Ethan? What do you think about Misha? We haven't heard from you. Yeah, (gasps) we haven't heard from you. Me? Okay. So, if you see like the teaser photos for the promo of this album, it is gorgeous i don't know if anybody's into like photography graphic design or anything like have a look at her oh yeah that is amazing her teaser photos for this album it's top notch so good i put it like kind of on par with like i don't know espa's ones that they've been doing yeah the i envy video gives really the music video is really good and it's really nice just Mm -hmm. the styling is yeah yeah so the album 13 tracks and then two of them, besides IMV, which is like the main one, two of them we've actually heard before in the past. So can't control myself. And weekend. And yeah, not gonna lie, I also agree with you guys that like the pacing, like in terms of pacing and memorable songs and stuff, I think purpose her last album was a lot better with that. But this one, I have like a few standouts that I kind of like. I think IMV is definitely a really good pick as like the main title track can't control myself also would have been like really good as well for her i think that nice like angsty it reminds her of like avril lavigne-esque type of thing she hasn't really done that before so it was nice when you guys mentioned like the pace of the album i just think about how goddamn weekend is such like a <laughs> i love weekend her song weekend but it was so off-putting to hear it in this whole album i was like Whoa, wow, wow. And then right off the weekend, it's ending credits where it's just like, yeah, nice, emotional. I just think, yeah, this kind of album is just not too memorable to me compared to like Purpose. Again, I and I'm really sorry for constantly comparing it to her second album, but the second album just kind of has such a place in my heart. I think all the songs sound really nice, like they're all very pleasant in the ear to hear. Siren and Cold as Hell are my two favorites from the album, mm-hmm. but um, They're up there I, for me as well. Mm-hmm, and I and View, I just think that one's just that's a solid title track. But other than that, 
Yeah, I don't know. This album stuck out to be too much, but the photos for the album are so good. <laughs> so I'm gushing more about the photos than like the songs itself. Yeah. So I think we're all kind of in the same boat. Our first time doing an album review and we all just went, this is an okay one. <laughs> Ethan, in terms of like her albums, like her projects, where do you think this stacks in comparison? I, um, in terms of her full albums, I definitely think it's the weakest of the three. What you said before about it being very like background music, I think that it's perfectly exemplified in Weekend. Um, it's funny because I, I once got a haircut and they played it in the background, like Weekend. <laughs> and I was like, this is the perfect, it's the perfect time to listen to that song because mm-hmm. it's, like, it's a very nice sounding song. Um, it's got a really nice, clean, like, electric guitar to it. it it's, like, it's very inoffensive. Yeah, and Weekend I think that's is why so it nice, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a good song. It's very inoffensive, and I don't think it appropriately captures... Because I think Taeyeon always has two different types of songs. It's, like, the really, like, accessible ones, and then she has the other types of songs where she's known for, like, the power ballads and, mm-hmm. like, the emotional yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also a big reason why Purpose and the album before forgot the name um did so well is because when she gets to like the middle of the album she usually has more powerful Mm -hmm. ballads just to like bring you as low as you can possibly go and then she'll bring you back up with the the final songs because this song doesn't have a ballad in it i think it really changes the momentum of the album i I don't think it's as emotionally impactful as it could be Mm. which is a shame because obviously the whole album sounds good but yeah yeah, 100%. We just need, like, one track where she just, like, unhinges her jaw and just lets go. Something like I Miss You by Mamma Moo is just, like, a big vocal track. Because she's known as, like, a vocalist, like List. a singer. She has some vocal moments on this album, which I think are nice. But there's nothing where she's, like, actually scratch that. I don't know this album well enough. I've listened to it three or four times and I can't remember most of it. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that speaks in and I'm like oh my just how mid-tier it is for you <laughs> that's just yeah, like this. there were some songs which I thought were okay like you said Leisha I liked Cold as Hell yeah. because Cold as Hell is the weirdest song on this album Cold as Hell has this slightly creepy sort of menacing vibe to it almost gothic which I quite like and Toddler I think is pretty cool as well because it has a bass line it has a nice sort of understated vocal performance as well what are your favorite songs on this season? I'm curious. I, I, I'm like the complete opposite because I don't know if I love a lot of the noise music that SM's known for. Oh. It's definitely <laughs> different. And it's something that SM's really prided themselves on for good reason because it differentiates themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I love songs like, I think Can Control Myself is probably one of the better songs on the, the album. I think they mm-hmm. should have focused on that as the title track. Yeah, um, I think it tapped into like an interesting, like her, Avril Lavigne moment can't control myself I feel like perfectly encapsulates like that whole kind of vibe like I kind of wish the album embraced that type of like theme more but yeah continue Ethan <laughs> it's a mixed bag but generally it's 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 all right just could use a bit more organization I guess just final closing statements of what you guys think or is there like maybe another album that came out around this time maybe you liked more than this one I was thinking throughout listening to a lot of this that I would much rather be listening to the Yuju album. Yuju's album has a similar thing where there's some tracks with that sort of pop guitar, sort oh, of pop punk you, guitar you in them. Oh, Yuju, the former G-Friend member? Yeah, G-Friend, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, Yuju's album has, it starts off with this cool track that samples this almost new metal guitar 
And it has some nice R&B moments, moments where I'm like, oh, her vocal is so good. This sounds good because you drew is singing it. Oh, also, the new Aphic album. <laughs> I think if you want really nice vocals and sort of veteran K-pop singers, the Aphic album is really good. It's the album called Horn? Horn, yeah, yes, so Horn. Yes. The title track is Dilemma, but the tracks that are really good are tracks five through to seven. Um, specifically, the track Single Rider is like this cool, classy... It's like subtle New Jack Swing. I don't know how you can make subtle New Jack Swing, but it's a very cool sort of mm-hmm. subtle New Jack Swing song. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And I prefer those albums to this <laughs> Taeyon one. My favourite Taeyon song is Something New, and none of the songs uh, on this are like Something uh, New. Something New, as the title suggests, is very, very interesting, like different genre type of song that she's done, which has not <laughs> been brought back. But yeah, Ethan, what about <laughs> What about you? I guess final closing thing about this album. You still think it's like a worth one to listen for just people who are looking into like albums and stuff? Yeah. Um, I, re- I read a comment somewhere, someone saying that the new Taeyeon album will be a lot more popular for some reason because um, fourth generation fans will be introduced to Taeyeon from her collab with Girls on Top. I don't know how true that is considering oh. Taeyeon's like a huge oh, no. artist. I but hate that in, so much. I don't in, know. In the event that it's true, I hope that it does, I guess, introduce fans to Taeyeon's work in some of her older discography purpose, as well. Because, I mean, purpose. I envy you and, yeah, they're still good songs. Yeah. So hopefully it introduces them, gets more people interested in I hate music. that that's a thing. I guess yeah, fourth generation. Like Boa as well. Like Boa is like yeah, she's real. iconic. Yeah. She's legendary. But some people only like they're like yeah, introduced her because people don't them. go that. Yeah, exactly. They people just... are relatively new fans as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, either way, at least they're getting into more diverse music. So good on them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. I guess for my little minor <laughs> wrap up thing. Um, you know, this album's intro, as I mentioned before. I think Purpose, her second album has just it's more special to my heart for me personally check out the albums that tracy mentioned as well because i think those are really good ones i think especially the a pink one if you're someone who it's so who, who's someone who still wants to remain in like second gen k-pop type of sounds and stuff like that and then if you listener out there want to listen to a very very short album with only two songs from the love of my life <laughs> I'm, we're not gonna say that but you know one whose albums are so out <laughs> It's called Obsession. It's only got two songs. If you just want something completely different, people it's not just, even an album, honey. It's just a single. It's <laughs> a single with two songs. But if you want a quick listen, it's there. <laughs> it's I mean, there. if you want slightly edgy pop music, the title track has a really nice bass. In- I love it. It immediately went up to like my new favorite one title track. I love it so much. Not biased at all. Yeah, I guess that's our very <laughs> lengthy first album review we've done here on Asian Pop Nation. Let us know if you listen to Taeyong's I'm View album, if you have maybe different thoughts on us. Maybe you have different favorite songs for an album. Maybe you also share the same thoughts, but either way, yeah, let us know through Asian Pop Nation on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, music. Ciao. <laughs> Hello, hello, everyone. You are listening to Asian Palm Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha, and you just heard two songs requested from our listener, Matthew. First being Kono Yubito Mare by Pinky Spice, and second being Michi Shirube by Pua Musume Riro Dero. The third song you heard was a new solo track from Day 6 member One Pill with his song called 
Annyeong Chalga, or the English track name Voiceless. If that song was ever in a music soundtrack or like, not a music soundtrack, like a movie soundtrack, it would instantly get an Oscar or something. See what I did there? <laughs> but this all will make sense as we are now going to be going through our thoughts of the Oscar nominations for this year's Academy Awards. So let's pull out the red carpet and head straight to Oscars territory. Well, it's that time of the year again that everyone always looks forward to. It's the 94th annual Academy Awards nominations. So yeah. our nominations, they got released sometime early this February in 2022. And the award show itself is going to be airing later in March um, on the 28th on Monday, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it's actually the 27th in USA, uh, but it's 28th here in Australia because we're ahead of the times. Yeah, um, exactly. We're better a than couple... America. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> just a couple notable nominees because we're Asian pop nation. So I think the biggest front runner is Drive My Car, which is a Japanese drama film that was released last year. Um, it's been getting a lot of film festival buzz because apparently I've heard from critics that it's a really good movie and it has four nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best International Feature and Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, we'll be having a segment reviewing that after this segment. Um, a couple other ones, we've also got Lunana, which is a uh, Bhutanese dramedy film that was released in 2019, I believe, and has also received a nomination for Best International Feature Film it's also pretty significant because it marks the first Oscar entry from Bhutan in 23 years. Um, just another one, there's also an Indian documentary called Riding with Fire, which was released last year and has received a nomination for Best Doco. Uh, it is directed by Rintu Thomas, uh, which is also her debut feature, and Sushmit Ghosh. And this film also marks the first Indian feature documentary to be nominated um, in this Oscar category. Now, there are a few other blockbuster movies as well that I'm sure everyone's heard of. So there's Disney's Rye and The Last Dragon um, being nominated for Best Animated Feature and Marvel Shang-Chi, um, which was nominated for Best Visual Effects. Sorry, oh, but Shang-Chi does not have Best Visual Effects. <laughs> what? It's all bugged! That was not good. They, yeah. they, it was interesting. I think they put in the Marvel category for visual effects because usually... Uh, with Oscars, Marvel movies are usually dominating that category. Uh, this time they went with Shang-Chi and Spider-Man, which I thought was slightly interesting because as debatable as the movie Eternals is, I think Eternals has better visual effects in terms of like the Marvel category, but it was not nominated at all. But <laughs> You know Shang-Chi's visual effects, I, I believe they were done in Melbourne. They have a visual effects scene here in Australia. Yeah, they do. That's so cool. They, yeah, it was, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's very reminiscent of a lot of Marvel stuff anyway. It's not particularly new mm -hmm. in terms of what Marvel's done before. So I guess we should be happy about it being, you know, Asian representation and that sort of stuff. So. Melbourne representation. Melbourne yeah. representation. It's more like <laughs> Melbourne, yeah, because it's being nominated for visual effects. So technically the people who get awarded it, they're like, it'll, it'll be the people who worked on the visual effects and less of like, it's a win for the movie type thing. Yeah, mm. I don't know. It's one of those type of things. Yeah, but... Yeah, I guess, yeah, what else have, like, interesting ones in terms of, like, the plethora of, like, Asian movies and stuff we have that have been nominated this year? Because I know last year in particular was a big Parasite moment, the movie mm. Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, that Oscar, Oscar sweep last year. So to me, personally, I was really interested to see, like, yeah, how they're going to, like, step that up in terms of, like, bringing more diverse movies. Because we know it's an American-centric film, like, 
very local so, yeah <laughs> very local to america but um but it's interesting to see them i guess trying is the word i'm using <laughs> to open more diversity for like international films and stuff especially with asian films but what do you guys think about the selection that they have like here <laughs> oh yeah sorry i was gonna say like a lot of these films i've never heard of which is the usual go for the oscars anyway but like kudos to bhutan and india for getting a nomination Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, when, yeah. I, it was really cool too because it was like yeah the it's usually like yeah it was interesting to see like yeah for again Luna Na A Yuck in the Classroom that movie and the documentary Riding with Fire it was just yeah it was just interesting to see that they were actually like this was the first time that movies from these countries were like in these like categories so it was like pretty cool to see um I have been meaning to watch Riding with Fire for quite a while but as again we live here in australia it's very hard to watch but i mean to watch that one because that documentary is about um these female journalists that run a female-led um like media type thing in india and you're just going through their whole journey of like like yeah all the the oppression (laughs) the oppression and the struggles they have to go through just to like yeah make it as like a woman journalist in India and it was I've just been very curious to see that and then Lunana I did like a little research about it and it's actually the story is about um this um teacher who actually wants to like immigrate to Australia but then they end up they end up caught in like this whole situation where they have to teach in the most like remote area in Bhutan and then it's there's like a whole journey where I guess that protagonist finds like the meaning of happiness and you know all that type of stuff and the, what they finding out what they really want you know that type of story but yeah I just thought these were these are nice I can I, I've been I, waiting I, for you <laughs> to just destroy Raya this whole time uh, Lisha, I know you have opinions just let it out uh, 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 <laughs> it's just hard okay I wanna I wanna because I'm aware that there are like in the whole list of white writers that worked in this movie which is supposed to be about Southeast Asian culture I know out of the big group of them there are two Southeast Asian writers there and obviously you can't diminish their efforts and stuff putting into writing the movie and and then obviously the cast does have Southeast Asian voice actors and actresses in it but it is predominantly East Asian uh, and time and time again, I just like to mention how Southeast Asia in media, we kind of don't exist. So when this movie came out, you know, of course, people were excited because it was like, even though Disney is notorious for not being the best <laughs> when it comes to like representing like different cultures and stuff. It's so exciting to see like Southeast Asia recognizing like a global scale and stuff like that. But God, this movie is this movie's not great. And then to see it nominated. Mm, yeah and then it's freaking sucks too because when you see it in the oscars like list in the official like oscars nominations list and you see ryan of lost dragons you see the names of the people who will be like directly awarded if they do win and it's two people who are not southeast asian at all like the whole group of them are not southeast asian and then it's just i don't know it like I'm, this would be, I, I don't want to do like a whole deep dive of a Ryan and Lost Dragons because that movie freaking came out like last year already. But just know that um, from one Southeast Asian to another, talking about a movie that is about Southeast Asian culture. Yeah, no, this movie's not great. And seeing it in Best Animated Feature Film, it sucks. But I know Oscars, they don't care about the animation category at all. They will just put whatever Disney puts out and they just put it there. What's that, it competing with? It's competing. Because- 
Encanto. Encanto, which I think Encanto is like a far better like yeah. story oh, yeah, just in yeah. general. Yeah. And it's, and it's and it's just not because of the, it's not just because of the songs. It's just, it just has very good heart to heart about family and stuff mm. like that. And then I think Mitchell and the Machines, which is by Sony Animations, is also nominated for best animated feature film, which I also like that movie. So my money is more on Encanto and Mitchell and the Machines. But I just when I saw Raya there. My blood started boiling, and oh, it is just yeah. That movie's not it, but <laughs> oh, can I just say that there is this fantastic three-part video essay online done by Shiran J Zhao and a team of contributors who are all Southeast Asian, which honestly does a really good deep dive on how Disney commodifies culture through Raya and the Lost Dragons. So if you related to what I said about that movie in particular, you will love those videos as much as I do. Wow, I just love being a part of Asian Pop Nation here on Sin because I can just play and listen back to all these songs that I am literally obsessed with right now. First being Dilemma by Second Generation Icons, A-Pink, we also have a big Thai rapping collab with F Hero and Bam Bam featuring Young Home with the song Skirt. And lastly, we have a song from literally my favorite male solo Korean artist. I, I just love that guy and I will never shut up about him. We have Won Ho with his new song Eye on You. You know what else I love though besides Won Ho? It's being a little movie critic wannabe, which works perfectly as we continue our Oscar nominations discussion right now. But what, what, what do you guys have like in general with like the, just the Oscar selection, like in general? I don't know. I, I haven't followed the Oscars in previous years, but in comparison to previous years, do you feel like there's more um, POC nominated this year? Interesting question, because I always think the biggest problem Oscars has is like, even though they try, and again, I say that with quotations, they try to bring in more diversity and stuff into their nominees. They never nominate the actors and actresses. Like they never put them in the actors and actresses category. And you just don't see it. And I'm, I'm just always so confused on why that is like not the case. And it's happened again this time. Yeah, I, I don't know, because ever since Parasite won last year, I think a lot more people are focusing on the diversity that Oscars brings. Because I, I don't think anyone really focused on international films like at all prior to Parasite last year. So I think now that we even have like this focus on international films, like people know what Drive My Car is. Like people talk about it on Twitter and stuff. Like I think, I think it is changing. And I think Oscars are focusing more on bringing in international audiences by talking about these international films. Mm-hmm. Um, last year was a really weird year for theatrical releases. So a lot of the films that the Oscars have nominated, like half of them, I want to say half of them are like. Netflix movies or like HBO Max movies Mm. because of that I think they've also widened their net to include more international films because maybe the US market is not as great or something I don't know but I don't know I think generally it's it's on the up and up and I think there's room for optimism. Mm. I like to think that they've finally gone over that fence of oh we can read subtitles now oh, and they started reading more subtitled movies wow. yeah. and they found more international oh, themes imagine just being oh able God. to read subtitles down there you can be exposed to so much best picture is the starting point then we're gonna get best actress an asian woman yeah i do want to make this one small comment not related at all this is just me just wanting to like tell you guys i freaked out when andrew coffee got nominated <laughs> <laughs> um, tick tick boom for Tick Tick Boom, yes! 
Yes! Aaron gets it! Aaron gets it! Finally, something good for once. He's nominated for Best Actor in Leading Role, which deserved because that man acted his life out. Um, your Tick Boom, great movie, by the way. Oh, it so. is really good. It oh, is wait. Actually- is it the Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen yet. All right, yeah, I'll yeah. check it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is actually really, especially if you're someone who's like, if you're into musicals, <laughs> you're into oh, musicals. Yeah. yeah, Tracy, I'm I'm following you. Hmm. But yeah, it's because it's pretty much the movie is like following Jonathan Larson, who's like the guy who made Rent, the musical. Yeah. And then it's like an autobiographical play that he did a long time ago that they now made it into a movie and Andrew Garfield's acting John and Lassa. It's it's great. It's great. Soundtrack amazing. Stop. It's so good. Oh my god. Oh, I hate how much Don't Look Up got nominated because that is a terrible movie. I'm sorry. Not an awful movie yeah. that got nominated too what? many times. What? Don't Look Up? Uh-uh. It's not. It's not good. Right? Uh, yeah. Meh. Like, I get the humor and stuff. It's just... They mm. they try and sucked and then Oscars ate it up. <laughs> they just ate it up and was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then Licorice Pizza directing, interesting. I've not seen Licorice Pizza. I just know people have talked about how it has weird, apparently Asian racist jokes in it. And I was like, okay, my time to leave. I'm not going to watch that. But wait, Aaron, not just speaking, I'm curious because this question just popped out in my head. Did you think that there would be any anime film that had come out like last year that you think should have been nominated for like they usually only nominate it for like animated category because haha Oscars hates anything animated, but like yeah, none of them got no- yeah, none of them got some- yeah, none of them got accepted. Mm-hmm. But did you think that was one that you thought like it could have had the potential to be in like Oscar level? Me, it's out of three films like at the top of my head. Uh Bell by Mamoru Husato. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be nominated. If not, I might have to go with Jose the Tiger and the Fish from Studio Bones. If not, I might as well go for the last one, Gunham Hathaway from sunrise but well, seriously that movie is just beautiful that's all i can say mm. but yeah unfortunately as Aaron mentioned no none of them got actually entered into the oscars which i i know like does kind of it does kind of suck but yeah uh, oscars american centric i guess that's about it if you guys have any in, uh if you guys have any thoughts or opinions on the oscar nominations for this year let us know on asian pop nation on instagram facebook and twitter Hello everyone, you are listening to Asian Palm Nation. My name is Leisha and you just heard Jaguar Jonesy with her song Little Fires. We also played Susie's Satellite and lastly, we played the artist Kavi with his new song D-Triple-U. And honestly, from one Malaysian to another, I just love seeing Malaysians all over the globe, but especially locally here in Australia, just thriving in the music scene right now. But anyways... Something else which is also equally exciting is our next review of the night of the critically acclaimed Japanese film Drive My Car, which we actually mentioned earlier in the show. So let's hear all about this movie from one of our Asian Polynesian team members, Senya. Let's go! For those that survive or are lucky enough to continue to live, how often do we think of those who came before us and those who have died. How often does the burden of what was not communicated during their lifetime, does it continue to haunt us and follow us no matter where we go? These are the questions that are raised in Yusuke Hamaguchi's Drive My Car, a film adapted from Haruki Murakami's short story of the same name from his 2014 short story collection, Men Without Women. 
The film has received critical acclaim, winning three awards at the Cannes Film Festival, including Best Screenplay, has received four nominations at the Academy Awards, including Best Director, Best International Feature, and Best Adapted Screenplay, and also making it the first time a Japanese film has been nominated for Best Picture. And of course, it won Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globes. But what is the film about? Well, it's a very slow and careful ride, following Yusuke Kafuku as he directs a multilingual production of the play Uncle Vanya, written by Anton Shekov and first published in 1898. He's in charge of directing this production in Hiroshima while grappling with the death of his wife, Oto, with the emotional guidance of his chauffeur, a 20 year old girl, Misaki Watari. The play Uncle Vanya has many parallels to the story of Yusuke Kafuku as he deals with the secrets and the guilt that his wife left behind before she passed. Uncle Vanya follows a professor and his young glamorous wife who is visited by two friends at their rural estate. One friend is the brother of the professor's late first wife who has long managed the estate and the other is a local doctor, both of whom fall under the professor wife's spell. Without spoiling too much, Drive My Car and Uncle Vanya follow similar character dynamics and themes. But that's for me to know and for you to eventually find out. It's a film that requires a heavy amount of attention because everything is dependent on subtle nuances of dialogue from both the characters' mouths and also from the play and the way that it tells and reveals moments of the characters' feelings that aren't explicitly told. It's haunting and grounded and filled with moments of silence. As if there's something heavy weighing down on all of these characters as they go about their lives and the rehearsals for the upcoming production. One of the interesting elements about the film is how Yusuke Kafuku focuses on multilingual communication throughout the production, as actors are mainly fluent in either one or two languages, such as Japanese, Mandarin, Tagalog, Korean, and even Korean Sign Language. It speaks to a central theme throughout the film, and that is communication. How it is often difficult to truly know a person's heart, and how much effort it takes to be able to understand a person's language, whether that be literally or emotionally. But most importantly, there is the symbol of Yusuke's car. It's used as a metaphor for the times that he tries to drive away from his problems, the times where he's forced to confront them head on, and is used almost as a safe space for him to reflect, along with his chauffeur, about their lives, their mistakes, and what they could have done better. It's a film that I think I'll need to watch again, because I'm sure I've missed so many important messages and lines of dialogue that weren't another watch. I would recommend, though, watching it for yourself and just enjoying the silence of these drives between a retired actor and a young chauffeur and follow them as they try to get to the next stage of their journey with all the scars and lessons that they had to learn along the way. Hey, you're listening to Asian Palm Nation here on Sin. My name is Leisha, and you just heard Omi's song called Love Letter. We also played the brand new Australian artist collaboration from Diane Tai and Jamaica Moana with the song Get On It. And lastly, we play Epic High featuring Johan with the song called Grey So Grey, which actually was released on Valentine's Day. So, speaking of that particular holiday, love day, whatever you call it, our next topic was actually supposed to be released on our Valentine's Day special last week, but. Unfortunately, it didn't make the cut, but as a little bonus for this week, we have it 
now. So just excuse all the outdated comments that we make about Valentine's Day and let's focus in on this wacky New York Times version of Singaporean chicken curry. Let's go. So I guess while maybe some of you lovebirds out there might be thinking about dishes to make for your significant other for your little like Valentine's dinner or just since this episode does come out the day after Valentine's Day, maybe you just want to prepare like a nice dinner for your significant other. Well, maybe you might want to strain away from this recipe of a Singaporean chicken curry that was posted on the New York Times cooking Instagram account as well as on their website as it has caused a bit of an uproar for the Singaporean community online. So from... What I found, I guess, the recipe was actually supposed to be kind of like a Lunar New Year dish as it was posted on February 1st. And then I think the caption of the post itself was like, oh, what am I cooking for Lunar New Year? So it had that type of connotation for it. But they had like on their Instagram account, it had a video of Clarissa Wei, who is a American freelance journalist based in Taipei, who was cooking what was ultimately deemed online to be a highly inaccurate version of the Singaporean chicken curry. And according to the New York Times cooking website, Clarissa Wei had adapted it from a recipe by Sheila Das, who is mentioned as a second-generation Singaporean of Indian and Vietnamese descent. But I guess what had the general public just really like confused about was just how different the curry was on the official like New York Times cooking website which is said to be adapted by, like not adapted, it's said to originate from Sheila's recipe versus what Clarissa in her video like made. And then I guess I have the photo here for all of us here to look at. And um, what did y'all it's think? It's a demonic photo. <laughs> yeah. It's demonic. I'm looking at it right now. It's uh, disgusting. Yeah, I'm not sure what to say. You know, um, uh, on the run sheet we're looking at right now, there's an image on the right which yes. is uh, the right image. So it's like this nice chicken curry and the sauce is really like creamy looking and red. And it's like, ooh, that looks really scrumptious. It, it looks enticing yeah, yeah, and just really actually nice. appetizing. Yeah. And then, but, um, but the one on the left, the sauce looks like dishwater. Yeah. 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 Brown it, dishwater. It is not good. Like a lot of the comments on the posts, pretty much people were saying it was like longkang water, which is longkang is like a, malay word for sewer water so yeah and then it's just the gravy just it doesn't look great and i feel like even if you don't necessarily know like singaporean chicken curry or just like you're not too familiar with how like curries are meant to look like even if you just look at that it something doesn't look right kind of reminds me of that time when um what's her face um who works for the bbc she made egg fried rice and everyone Hella yeah. judged her on the process of her making rice, but it turns out it was a recipe she was following on the BBC. It's not how she actually makes rice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that the wow. one where it's like they had the, like, I guess when it listens to that, yeah, Uncle Roger, like the comedian yeah. guy. Was that the one where he like ripped apart as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, this is like, it looks disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, th- this actually got me thinking, like, if there is a specific food that I'd hate to eat with a Valentine, like, uh, I was just sifting through my memories. I think 
I would hate eating one of those sandwiches that you get at the gas station. Like you know how gas stations, you walk inside and then they, you know, they sell, I guess, like foods uh-huh. now. Egg then. sandwiches. Yeah, uh-huh. and like egg sandwiches and stuff. They're the most disappointing things I've ever eaten. Uh huh. And I would hate to share such an experience with a loved one. <laughs> I must say. I survived like my entire high school life on like egg sandwiches, basically really? from gas stations. <laughs> yeah, because it was like opposite our school. Um, they were just the cheapest thing to get, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so this 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 chicken curry is so disappointing. It reminds JP of Seven Eleven gas yeah. <laughs> gas station. Yeah, I would just kick them out of the kitchen. That's what I'll do. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it over. Never yeah. cook again. Pretty I much, put yeah. stamp. <laughs> now looking at the rice, it's just <sighs> again as someone who grows grew up a lot with curries and all this stuff because that's just what my grandparents make a lot. It's just the lack of spices, the lack of like everything. It's just like no cream. I, don't, I, I don't even think she uses like a curry paste specifically. Like, I don't know what that broth is like tasting, but I don't know. But put some brown sugar in there. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna help it. <laughs> oh yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon, yeah, you know he does this weird TikTok videos about him like. Yelling people not to do the right thing. <gasps> That's true. Yes, uh, I've seen that. But it's yeah. left us speechless. It's literally speechless. Literally speechless. I guess, dear listeners, just let us know what you think. Have you like seen the video? Or after we talked about this infamous Singaporean chicken curry incident, you went to see it for yourself and you seen the video and the photos. And I guess let us know what you think. True our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hello to our Night Owl listeners. My name is Leisha, and you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. You just heard songs from Keshi called Touch. We also played Loose by Japanese artist Ego Apartment. And finally, we had another US-based artist, Gen Z, also known as Generation DIY for those familiar on the YouTube scene with her song Clean Up in Al 4. We are just slowly inching towards the end of our show tonight, which we know super sad to hear, but if you're just tuning in now and are experiencing a little bit of FOMO, aka a fear of missing out on all the content, fear not, as we have our podcast shows always available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms, and our curated music playlists for every show are always available to be seen on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Shout out to Celeste, by the way, for all those playlist graphics. She's amazing. And if you want a favorite song of yours to be played on one of our shows, you are always more than welcome to submit them through our socials. Once again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Continuing though with the music for tonight, we have a big collaboration track from the one and only Saweetie, you know her, you love her, featuring the female artist Her with the song Closer. There will be more tracks for the night right here on Asian Pop Nation. Hey everyone, my name is Leisha and you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. We have been playing songs that are perfect for the night, first being Sweetie featuring her with the song Closer. We also have the K-pop male group ATs with the song Don't Stop. And finally, Yoruto Sapo with the song Shito. Unfortunately, 
unfortunately, we are approaching to the end of today's show, but let's do our little wrap up before saying our farewells. We had a lot of really interesting discussions about Australian reality TV drama, which surprisingly opened up a whole conversation about being viewed as unattractive or undesirable in a romantic sense purely for being Asian. We also had a lot of reviews ranging from talking about the new album from Taeyeon as well as the new Oscar-hyped movie Drive My Car. But yeah, thank you so much for joining myself, Leisha, and our team of Xenia, Celeste, Aaron, JP, Ethan, and Tracy tonight. And right before we officially say goodbye, we still have one more song for you. From the members of Astro, we have Moonbin and Sanha with their song Ghost Town. Honestly, a little bit of a spooky title for tonight, but yeah, you can always tune in to Asian Foundation every Tuesday from 8pm onwards right here on Sin. Good night, everyone.